0: And there was evening and there was morning the dispute between Rashbam and Ezra about Shabbat. Rabbi Professor Mayor Lukshin. Good afternoon, everyone. I know that I'm the only thing standing between you and lunch right now, so uh, we should get the shiur underway. In the Middle Ages, the way that a book survived was if they copied it. Now that seems fairly uh, fairly obvious, but of course there's a certain element of luck in what survived from, uh, from antiquity and what survived from the Middle Ages. But about the Jewish Middle Ages, it seems that when there was a book that a lot of people were interested in reading, then people would sit and they would make copies of it and the book would survive. And when there was a book that not very many people were interested in reading Presumably, fewer people bothered to make copies of the book and it was less likely that a book would survive. Uh, sadly, Rashbam's commentary on the Torah, a, a commentary that I, uh, I personally admire uh, a lot and have a lot of interest in, uh, fell in the category of books that almost didn't survive into modern times and probably because very few people bothered to make copies of it we have hundreds of copies of medieval manuscripts of Rashi's commentary on the Torah, and we have right now a, um, a grand total of zero uh, copies of, uh, of manuscripts of Rashbam's commentary on uh, on, uh, on the Torah from medieval times. I'll say a little uh, a little more about that, just uh, for those uh, who. Uh, uh, w- would like some of the uh, background. Everyone knows that Rashi lived from 1040 to 1105. I always he- heard the uh, story about the yeshiva boy who when he uh, when he learned that Rashi le- lived from 1040 to 1105, he said, it's amazing what Rashi accomplished in 25 minutes, <laughs> and if if that helps you. <laughs> Professor Berger, did I leave that, learn that joke from you or from someone else? I can't. <coughs> Pardon me? I called it the one, I just said Oh. David Schatz, was, he said he did a lot Yes, okay, so it was, I thought I might have learned it from my professor, uh, David Berger, and uh, uh, now we say it, Basham Omro, uh, uh, Professor Berger's brother-in-law, Professor Schatz, who actually had a student who did, did say that. Uh, Rashbam was his grandson uh, who lived from approximately 1080 to approximately 1165. We don't have precise uh, dates, uh, dates for him. Uh, they both wrote commentaries on the Torah. As I said, we have hundreds of, uh, of, of manuscripts of Rashi's commentary on the Torah, and we have a grand total of, uh, of no uh, full manuscripts of Rashbam's commentary on the Torah. Rashi's commentary on the Torah was an instant success perhaps even in Rashi's lifetime, but certainly right after Rashi's lifetime, it took over most of the Jewish world and eventually all of the Jewish world. In the years immediately after Rashbam, a number of people quote his uh, commentary on the Torah. You see quotations of it in Chizkuni's commentary on the Torah, in B'chor Shor's commentary on the Torah, and a few other commentaries on the Torah. But what's Amazing to me is the number of Bible commentaries who wrote commentaries very soon after Rushbaum wrote his commentary on the Torah, who didn't quote Rashbam's uh, commentary on the Torah, and it seems pretty certain that they never saw Rashbam's commentary on the Torah. Radak, Rabbi David Kimchi, just a few years after after Rushbaum shows no evidence of ever having seen Rashbam's commentary on the Torah. Ramban... Uh, the next uh, in the next century uh, quotes Rashbam's commentary on the Gemara frequently and is interested in Rashbam's work but again shows n- there's no evidence of him uh, ever having seen Rashbam's commentary on the Torah and we go through a number of the great commentators who came after this uh, Abarbanel, Benel, uh, Obad no mention of the existence of a commentary on the Torah uh, by Rashbam. That uh, you know, Rashbam clearly did not have a good agent for handling the distribution, and 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 the the commentary would have. I think totally gone into oblivion were it not for a rich Jewish uh, bibliophile named Rabbi David Oppenheim who lived at the end of the 17th century. Whom a friend of his told him one day that there's there's an attic that has a bunch of uh, manuscripts in it. You wanna come and look at these uh, old manuscripts and he picked up one of the manuscripts and he writes that he noticed that, uh, that the manuscript was eaten by rodents in the beginning and at the end, which is the reason why the manuscript is missing the beginning of this. Uh, this was the manuscript of Rashbam's commentary on the Torah that was found by Rabbi David Oppenheim and that was missing the beginning of the commentary on Bereshit up to chapter 18. It began only with, uh, with chapter 18 with Parshat Vayera and it was also missing a little bit at the end of the manuscript. Um, Rabbi Oppenheim, loved this uh, treasure and he used to show it off to a lot of friends of his until finally one of his friends convinced him that he should publish it. And uh, he, he published it and that was the first edition of, uh, the first printed edition of uh, Rashbam's commentary on the, on the Torah printed in the, uh, in the beginning of the 18th century. All editions that have been published since then have been based on this one manuscript, which was uh, passed on from hand to hand. A number of famous Jews in the uh, the 18th and 19th century uh, owned or had possession of this manuscript for a while. The manuscript ended up in a uh, library in Germany and was lost uh, during World War II. Some people like me uh, hope that the Hope against hope that maybe the manuscript was looted and it will show up one day, but it seems pretty likely that if nobody has uh, heard of this manuscript since the 1940s that it is uh, it is gone um, when the uh, when Rushbaum's commentary on the Torah was published, it had uh, rather limited interest. There was one super commentator uh, who wrote a commentary on Rashbam in the, uh, in the 18th, uh, wrote a super commentary, a commentary on the commentary of Rashbam in the 18th century. And in the introduction, he writes, he said, I hear people asking, why should one bother reading this Torah commentary? What is, what good does it do? What, what, uh, what, what can one learn from this? And the author of this super commentary tries to say that maybe there is Something to be learned uh, from this uh, from this Torah commentary, uh, commentary. Um, in the nineteenth century, Abraham Geiger, uh, who was one of the founders of uh, reformed Judaism but was also a great scholar of Judaism who wrote uh, extremely useful scholarly works on, uh, uh, on on Jewish history and Jewish uh, and Jewish scholarship found and published a manuscript of Rashbam's commentary on the first chapter of Breshit up to halfway through the last verse on uh of chapter one of Breshit. he found a manuscript and uh he argued and this argue has been accepted in the scholarly world I'm convinced of the argument that that the manuscript that he found is the manusc- is a manuscript of Rashbam's commentary on almost the entire first chapter of Bereshit. Uh, stylistically and content wise, Rashbam often makes cross references in, uh, in, in his commentary. It, it, it just sounds like the rest of the commentary, there's a, a, a very strong case for this. Um, In some religious Jewish circles, there was opposition to seeing this manuscript as being Rushbaum's, and particularly because of the comment that we're going to be looking at right now, which is Rushbaum's comment on the phrase, Vayhi Erev, Vayhi Bocher. And so you can still find some. Mikraot some compendia of Bible commentaries that include Rashbam's commentary on the Torah do not have the commentary on Bereshit, uh, Perak Aleph, on the first Perak of Bereshit. Uh the ones that are Uh, published in academic circles and in modern, uh, modern Orthodox circles uh, always do have this commentary. Uh, Recently, as Mark Shapiro pointed out in a blog post, uh, he was Mark Shapiro, I think, reads every book, perhaps before it comes out. Uh, but uh, immediately upon the publication of uh, 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 School uh, it has begun publishing a translation of the Mikraot Gedolot into English. Uh, in in a the, and in the first volume, in the first chapter of Breshid, they include all of Rashbam's commentary that was found in this manuscript that uh, Abraham Geiger found and labeled Rashbam's commentary, except they left out the comment on Vaihi era Vaihi Boker, which led... Mark Shapiro to say, as we say in this country, "Osha, Osha." You, don't want, it's, you know, either that manuscript is uh, is Rushbaum's commentary uh, legitimately, or it isn't. So, with all of this, uh, these preliminary remarks. Now, let's look at the uh, the <laughs> controversial comment that Rushbaum wrote on uh, just uh, maybe one last word of, uh, of introduction for those who don't know very much about Rashbam I should just say he was a sincerely pious and religious uh, man a rabbi who spent almost all of his life dealing with, uh, with Gemara and Halacha. and uh, I, I figure that he like Rashi had, had of course, they had a serious interest in Tanakh also, but it was it was secondary to their interest in uh, in Gemara and in Halacha. And Rashbam was in no way, shape, or form a reformer when it came to uh, to Halacha. In fact, if anything, he was the strict constructionist who opposed uh many of the innovations of his younger brother Rabbeinu Tam who was the creative halachist who was uh, coming up with ways new ways of reading texts and uh, texts of the Gemara in ways that would uh, uh, be more fitting for the situation that the Jews found themselves in in in, uh, in medieval countries and Rashbam said was the one who was saying here's what the text says here's what we do uh-huh. And it's possible that he does the same thing, really, with the Torah, also saying, you know, here's what the, se- the text says, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you what the text says, not here's what we do, because Rashban makes it extremely clear that Judaism that we practice is to be based on the Midrashic understanding of the text. He says this a number of times in his work. However, there is still the pshat, and you take a look at what the pshat has to say. Okay, so uh, we all know the verses in the beginning of uh, Um Is it OK with people, if I read the text in Hebrew and you have the English there beside? And uh, those of you who are having trouble with the Hebrew will just look at the translation on your own. OK, so the, the verses, the well-known verses, that come right almost at the beginning of the Torah. Vayomer Elohim, he or vayhi or, vayar Elohim, or Kitzav. Whenever we went to uh, kindergarten or first grade or wherever, we were taught what does Yom Echad" mean? What do we learn from this? We learn that the Jewish day begins in the evening and goes until the next evening. And I'm sure that when Rashbam went to school, he was also taught that that's what the verse uh, meant. But, you know, he was a creative person who had great skills of text reading and sometimes thought out of the box. And he said, that that's not what the verse means, and he writes here, vayira vayvoker ein kativ kan Vaihi laila It doesn't say, and there was night, and there was day, and that constituted one day. It says evening and morning. So what does that mean? Ella Vaihi erev. Sheheriv yom rishon v'shikah haor. He's talking to us, pardon me for saying so, as if we're idiots. And he's, like he's walking us through these words slowly to get us to read them in a new way, which is like the simplest way of reading them, he says. V'hi Arif, what does that mean? It means there was light, and the light went away. That's what evening is, when the light goes away. Shikahaor. haor. Boker. Bokro shel Lila. The phrase Bokro shel comes from the Gemara Zavachim. If anybody's uh, doing dafyomi now, they may have bumped into it in the last uh, uh, week or two. But what does Boker mean? Sha'Allah amud Hashachar. That means, they broke. So it says, God created things. And then there was evening. And then there was morning. And what does morning mean? daybreak Haray <speaking> Hoshlam Yom Echad min Hashisha <Hebrew> Yamim she'amar HaKadosh Barchu be'serta diprot ve'achar kah chitchel Yom Sheni ve'yom rohim yehi rakia When day broke that was the end of day one, and at that point day 2 began and when and why Raman makes it clear in his, even before this in the uh, in his commentary to brashid Aleph that he he feels that the whole purpose of Rashid Aleph is to get us. Ready for the mitzvah of Shabbat that's going to be coming up in the Aseret HaDibor, that that is going to say there. Kisheshet yamim asah Hashem et as God said in the Aseret HaDibrot. He said in the Ki yamim Hashem that God created the world in six days. And so the Torah felt that before we see that in, 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 as a quotation, the narrator should tell us that uh, that that is what happened. And so, but the days. The definition of a day, according to Rashbam, is a unit that finishes in the morning. <laughs> so it, it isn't that, you know, the way we, we sometimes read this phrase, by out, uh, out of its context and just say, it means there's uh, nighttime and then there's day and that constitutes one day. Rashbam says, no. In each of the days of the creation, the Karashsparhu, Lahabdil, like us, created during daylight hours, and then there was evening. and then day broke, the light broke of the, the, uh, and that was the beginning of the next day. that just like we stop working when the evening comes along, then, uh, and we go back to work. When light comes out the next day, that's uh, that's what the Kadosh Baruch Hu did also. The only purpose of this is to tell us that in the six days of creation, the day begins in the morning. Just. In, in case there's anybody who has any doubt, there is no doubt that Rashbam observed Shabbat uh, from uh, from evening to from Friday evening until. Uh, I, I, until Saturday night, uh, there's no doubt that when Rashbam wrote a date on a ketubah, if he was a Masader Kiddushin on a, a wedding that was taking place on a Wednesday after, uh, after it got dark uh, outside, he'd write, b'chamishi Shabbat in the ketubah, that, that there's no doubt about this, but just in the reading of the first chapter of Reishit, the meaning of the text is that the days end in the morning. Yeah? I I used to uh, argue with uh, t- to my students that actually all of us psychologically agree with uh, with Rush Baum we, we all think that the day begins uh, in the morning if uh, if at nine o'clock tonight, somebody asks you, what day of the week is it today? I'm, I'm sure that like everybody in this room would say Thursday, even though, uh, even though, you know, if you go to a wedding tonight, it'll, it'll say in the Ketubah, B'Shishiva Shabbat, but all of us will continue to call it Thursday. And even though the laws of Israel, just like the laws of Canada and the United States, say that the official next day will begin at midnight. If any of us are awake uh, at half past the midnight tonight and somebody asks us what the day is, we'll still think that it's Thursday. And when, when, when I used to teach this text 30 or 40 years ago in Khuslaretz, uh, in I used to bring proof from the most popular selling, the highest selling uh, weekly magazine in North America from 30 or 40 years ago. Does anybody know what the No. Not people.
1: TV
0: Guide. guide, Very good. (laughs) TV Guide was... Talk about things that have just fallen off the face of the earth, but TV Guide used to be the most uh, popular, the, the, the highest selling uh, uh, public, weekly publication. And there you know that uh, the listings on the television until 6 o'clock on Friday morning will be listed under Thursday. If you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning, then you look under Thursday. And so we all believe that that is the case, and, and rushbaum says, that that is what the Torah is saying was was going on during Maaseh Bereshit. Just for those of you who have any doubt about my claim that Rashbam uh, accepts the idea of Shabbat in the continuation of this uh, the, the idea of Shabbat beginning on Friday night and lasting until uh, Saturday night, he, he says it uh, explicitly in the continuation of his commentary in the same chapter you see on uh, verse uh, 14 on that Roshvam says yamim. We use the sun and the moon and the stars to establish what a day is. <laughs> so he he knows, he accepts the fact that a, a halachic day goes from until and that's why uh, the Torah says that God created... Uh, 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 it created the stars and they are they are to teach us to tell when a day is beginning and when a day is ending and perhaps just before I go on to the to, the, to Ibn Ezra uh, I will just mention there's a wonderful website uh, put together by uh, Hillel a uh, a, a, a scholar who lives in uh, in Jerusalem called alhatorah.org a l h a t o r a h and one of the things uh, hill novetsky uh, is doing in this site is trying to put together the lost sections of Rashbam's commentary on the Torah. And he's also writing a doctoral dissertation in which he is trying to reconstruct the lost sections of Rashbam's commentary on the Torah, beginning with a comment on the last verse in Perek Aleph of Breshit that got cut off in the manuscript that was found by Geiger. And in Nevetsky's reconstruction of what it says, he says that he interprets Rashbam as saying that as I said before God created in each of the six days of creation and then there was evening and then there was morning when you get to the sixth day again God created during daylight hours and then like on all the other days he didn't do creative activity in the evening and that's why Shabbat begins in the evening because, uh, because by then God, w- were emulating God and God actually stopped working at the end of the daylight hours on Friday. Okay, so that's, um, that's Hillel-Novetsky's attempt uh, to reconcile Rashbam with, uh, with common Jewish practice. Uh, of course, again, to emphasize, Rashbam was an expert in common Jewish practice himself, and he didn't feel the necessity of reconciling it himself. He just said, you know, what does it mean here? here the text means that um, that days of creation finished in the morning and not in the evening. Okay, so that's Rashbam's commentary on Vahiyar and which is a comment, uh, a comment about which there is a certain amount of controversy and is not found in, as I said before, in Haredi editions of Mikra'ot Gedolot and it was also left out of uh, the latest art scroll um, translation of the, uh, the Mikra'ot Gedolot. And now we'll move on to a different text about which there is also controversy, Abraham Ibn Ezra's Igeret HaShabbat. Abraham Ibn Ezra was, uh, Rabbi Abraham Ibn Ezra was born in Spain, uh, traveled eastward as far as Eretz Yisrael and as far as India, he, uh, he writes. And then he traveled westward and uh, he, he was like the Marco Polo of the uh, medieval uh, <laughs> the Jewish uh, world. Uh, he wrote most of his books in Italy and some of them in France and then he also, according to most scholars, wrote this work called Ygerda Shabbat. Again, here there is some controversy. Beginning uh, a few centuries ago, Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azulai, the Chida claimed Ibn Ezra could never have written this book, Igerda Shabbat. And there is still argument in some religious circles and in some scholarly circles about whether this is uh, actually a work of uh, Ibn Ezra. In the beginning, he says, I, Abraham, Ibn Ezra, the, the Spaniard, uh, he identifies himself as Ibn Ezra. So I've always felt that the, uh, the burden of proof on those who wish to argue that this isn't uh, Ibn Ezra is on those who wish to argue that the, that the author here is a liar uh, when, when he calls himself uh, Abraham Ibn Ezra. And I guess for me, one of the strongest arguments, I'll, I'll mention some more as we, uh, as we go along, but one of the strongest arguments is that the world's expert on Ibn Ezra in my uh, assessment is Professor Uriel Simon, and he is convinced that Ibn Ezra is the author of, uh, of Igerda Shabbat. It's, uh, it's a fascinating text as we shall soon see. So it was midnight on Friday night in 11.59. And uh, in my assessment and the assessment of a number of other scholars, uh, Rashbam's commentary on the Torah was written sometime between 11.40 and 11.45. Uh, Ibn Ezra was younger than Rashbam by about... Fifteen years, as I said before we don 't know precisely when uh, when, when, when uh, Rushbaum was born. Uh, Ibn Ezra was born in in 1097, uh, so he was younger by about 15 years. At one point in their lives, they both lived in northern France, and is there a possibility that they actually met each other? It's always possible. We know that Ibn Ezra had correspondence with uh, Rashbam's younger brother, Rabbein Tam, but there is no evidence that I consider uh, reasonable evidence of contact between, uh, between Ibn Ezra and Rashbam. Anyways, so. Even uh, Ezra is writing here uh, that it's uh, in the middle of the night, B'leil Shabbat Barbaasar, Barbaasar, Tevet, it was on the 14th of Tevet. This will become significant because the moon will play a role later in this uh, text, and so we now know that there is a full moon because it's the 14th of Tevet. It says it was one of the cities of the island that is called the corner of the world. Anybody know what the island that is called the corner? England, very good. Angleterre, uh, England. And according to uh, this and a number of other sources that we have, uh, Ibn Ezra lived the last years of his life. I said that he, after traveling east, he traveled west. He came to Italy, he came to northern France, and then he lived the last years of his life in England, in the corner of the world. <laughs> was pleasantly sleeping, and then I saw... That there was a man standing there holding a letter and he said shabbat has sent you a letter you've got mail uh, <laughs> so, so you don't get a letter from shabbat every day god gave us shabbat and now he's He's giving me a letter uh, written by Shabbat. Uh, there's a verse from Yechezkel where Yehezkel is given a, an Igeret, where he's given a megillah uh, to read, and God asks Yehezkel to eat this megillah, uh, and he says how, how sweet it was uh, when he ate it, uh, so so this uh, I, I, I was so delighted. At, was sweet to me. But when I read the continuation, I got very upset. Again, I'm sure all of you can tell that there are... Uh, Verses worked into almost every phrase here, a common style in, um, in medieval writing and even in early modern writing. I almost died because I was just so shocked by reading the end of the letter that was, uh, that was sent to me. So I asked the shaliach who brought me this letter, what had I done wrong? Ki meha yom shi adati ashem hanikbada sher bera anu, velamati meets votav, lo olamma havtiata shabbat, uveteremboa haitiotelikratab hole, gamaiti betsetam, shaleah hotab simha uvashirim, verse about Lavan uh, sending off uh, Yaakov, umi behol abadeha kamoni ne emanu, madua shalha eli zota egeret. Why is uh, why is Shabbat sending sending me this uh, this, uh, this that chastises me when nobody's been more loyal to Shabbat uh, than I have? Vayaan vayomer Eli tzir hashabbat. Hagaidu God la et asher heviu talmidecha et mol el ba'itcha sfarim pe ha torah v'sham katzuv lechalal et leil hashabbat. Your students brought a new Torah commentary into your house. And in that Torah commentary, there's a comment that implies that Shabbat should not be kept on Friday night your loins. So it's your job, even Ezra, to be the defender of the faith and to uh, to argue against this dangerous commentary on the Torah. The low tisa pene ish, show deference to no man. Um, it's my translation here of the Lotisa paneish. what does this imply to you what what, what does the phrase Lotisa paneish imply to you about the uh about the author of this commentary that Ibn Ezra's students brought into uh I- into his home that, that, it, that it's somebody important that somebody who you might think to show deference to, but despite the fact that this is somebody important, you should show no deference to this person. The verse in Devarim that describes God, Asher lo yisafanim, the lo yikach shochat, that he shows no favoritism, and so don't show favoritism to this person. The reason that I emphasize this is that way back in the 19th century, there was a scholar who made a fascinating discovery that sometime around the same period in history, there was in Cyprus, a heretical Jewish group called the Meshawites. How many people here have heard of the Meshawites uh, before? I'm sure not uh, not very many, and I had never heard of them until I uh, started studying this issue and seeing that uh, Samuel Poznansky had written an article and argued that there is evidence that the Meshawites used to observe the Shabbat from morning to, uh, till morning and not from evening to evening. And Poznansky suggested that 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 is the group against which Ibn Ezra is arguing in in this text. I think it's an extremely weak uh, explanation. First of all, there's no evidence that Ibn Ezra ever knew anything about, uh, uh, about the Meshawites and there was no reason to think that the Meshawites had produced a Torah commentary that had made its way all the way to uh, to England. We have no evidence of the Meshawites producing any Torah commentaries, uh, but and it is unlikely that Ibn Ezra, that there would be a Hava mina that it would cross Ibn Ezra's mind to show deference to the Meshawites. And so it seems likely, it seems much more likely, and we'll also see from the continuation that uh, Ibn Ezra has come into contact with a Torah commentary that was written by somebody to whom he might consider showing deference, and that could easily be the great rabbi, Shmuel Ben Meir, one of the Baalea uh, Tosafot, uh, who wrote this controversial comment in his Torah commentary. I continue. Nine. Va'ikatz. So I was so agitated, and I was angry, and I got out of bed, and I got dressed, washed my hands, and I took the books out into the moonlight to see uh, what was written there. V'nei sham katuv perush, v'hi erev boker. The Huomer, the, com- the commentator here, said about the words v'hi erev boker, ki kasher haya this language here is extremely similar to the language that we saw on the first page. Certainly, it's the precise same explanation as one finds in, in Rashbam's uh, Torah commentary in, in similar language that a day was completed, as that Allah, at that point was completed the first day. The first day uh, finished uh, at, in the morning. Even Ezra's uh, reaction: Ve kat karati begadai." I almost tore my clothes. karati zeha uh, Tearing clothes presumably is a sign of having been exposed to heresy, to heretical, uh, heretical writing, and so you know, tear your clothes. karati zeha And I almost tore up that uh, Torah commentary. Marti. Tavlah challel Shabbat achat, I I know you're not allowed to, to to tear a to tear up a book on Shabbat, but perhaps it would be permissible because of Tavlah Khalel Shabbat achat, v'lo yachlu Israel Shabbatot harbei, paraphrasing the line in the Gemara that says and one of the explanations given in the Gemara about why pikuch nefesh is allowed on Shabbat is challel al Shabbat achat, kidei shey'smur Shabbatot harbei, I mean, desecrate the Shabbat to save, uh, a life of someone who will then be able to observe, uh, many Shabbatot. In other words, that, uh, the, uh, the net gain for Shabbat will be more Shmirat Shabbat. And here also I thought that maybe I should do Chilul Shabbat in order to cause there to be more Shmirat Shabbat in the future. Uh, this bad, uh, this evil comment on the, uh, on the Torah. Uh, and then he says, uh, one of my daughters was once uh, present when I was uh, teaching this uh, this text and she said to me uh, at this point, when we reached this text, uh, at this point in the text, she said to me, even Ezra was really a drama queen. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, yeah, th- I, I think that that is true, that's a uh, proper assessment. Um, also, this is dangerous because it might cause some Jew to observe Shabbat in a way that is not uh, legitimate according to Halacha. Also, we could become a laughing stock in the eyes of the uncircumcised ones. Clearly, the uncircumcised ones are the Christians and the. Uh, uh, as even Ezra was living now in the Christian world and Christian celebrations are they begin in the morning and not in the uh, and, and not in the previous evening, and presumably Jews and Christians had been discussing this issue with Jews saying, "No, no, we have to begin our celebrations the evening before, and citing Vahia Bahibochar to prove this, so if the Christians hear about this that we have a Torah commentary that actually supports their understanding of what a day is, then we will be a laughingstock, so that this is uh, also from, from a polemical uh, perspective this is a dangerous book to have around but despite this but anyways I controlled myself and I didn't tear up the book on Shabbat but I made a vow, im eten schnat le inai, it's an unusual form here, but it's the form that appears in, in Tihilim and in Perak Kuflamet uh, bet basuk for anyone. Im inai, a heart set yom akodesh uh, adertov, igeret aruka, leva er matai reshit yom hatora, la harim misholo la sir pachu mokesh. So I, I made a net er that I wouldn't go to sleep on Mosei Shabbat, but I'd sit down and I'd write a book that would prove that a Jewish day has to begin, uh, has to begin in the evening. And now he adds yet another uh, point. Kikol Yisrael haprushim uh, Gamkol Hatsadokim haTzadokim imahem yodim kilon yichteva parashat Bereishit maaseh Hashem bechol rak ba'avur sheyedu shomrei Torah ech yishmeru haShabbat sheyishpetu Kasher Shabbat Hashem anichbad liSpor Yeme hashavua. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees, of course, in the 12th century, when Ebenezer is writing this, there aren't any Pharisees and, or any Sadducees anymore. But when he says Pharisees and Sadducees, what does he mean? Karaim, Kara, Karaim and, uh, and Rabbinites. He refers to the Karaites as being the Tzadokim, the, uh, the Sadducees. So he's, he's actually making two points in this, qu- in this uh, statement. Even the Karaites, who don't accept our traditions of interpretation, they all observe Shabbat from Friday night until Saturday night. They accept the idea that a Jewish uh, day goes from... There is no evidence of any... Uh, Karaites uh, I've, I've consulted uh, people who are much greater experts in Karaites uh, than I am and there is no e- evidence of, of the Karaites having a different definition of when the uh, day begins and furthermore we all know that the only reason that this story is there and Rashbam himself writes this in his commentary that the that story, story in Breshit Aleph is there to prepare us for the mitzvah of Shabbat that will be coming up in the Aseret HaDi Prod. so it just doesn't make any sense that in the story the day should uh, should be defined and uh, using a different unit for measuring the day than the one that we are supposed to use in, uh, in Halacha uh, We're supposed to rest the same way that God rested according to the count of the days of the week and if Ibn Ezra has not Expressed himself uh, strongly enough. Yet he finishes off with even stronger language. yinkom mimenu. Anybody who believes this interpretation may God uh, avenge the vengeance of Shabbat from that person. otov gadol I took a chance here. I read it it out loud and uh, even Ezra says uh, may his tongue cleave to the roof of his mouth. Which may be the reason why our scroll decided not to include the comment because they wanted to avoid the curse here that even Ezra put on anybody who writes uh, this comment in a uh, Torah commentary. And Ibn Ezra also provided us with the uh, Igeret that he received from the Shabbat. And it's amazing that the Shabbat writes in the same poetic style that Ibn Ezra writes in. (laughs) That's the style everybody wrote in. Pardon me? Every every Python, every Arshan writes in a similar similar style in terms of relying on Tanakh. Right, right, right. But in, the, in this text coming up right now, though, there is uh, an element of writing that is that is kind of limited to, uh, to the Sephardic poetic uh, tradition, um, a very difficult way of writing poetry that depends on the number of shvaim naim that you have in the Hebrew. And, uh, one of the simplest poems of this nature, we know as Duror Yikra, De, Shwana, Roar Kra. L Shwana, Beinin Bat, V, Yin Zorheb, K, Moba, uh, Ibn Ezra's sometimes used, uh, this, sometimes we call that Mishkal Donish, uh, Donish's uh, uh, way of, uh, 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 of writing with Shwa'im Nahim. What actually Ibn Ezra here uses is more complicated than Mishkal Donish and so it, it's a, a, true, uh, a true feat to, to write a, a poem in this way. I didn't bother translating it into English, it's a little uh, difficult to do that but I'll read through it. Quickly, I think I have time to read through it quickly. Th- yes, ani Shabbat ateret dat yekarim riviit baaseret dat varim. Shabbat is introducing herself. She is the uh, fourth of the Ten Commandments. Uve Nashemu Ben bana vaniot brit olam lechol so, Vidorim. uvi chom ma asav kila Elohim v'chein katu bereishit asfarim. There was no man on Shabbat. Leman leDorim. So be a sign for future generations. Ani oneg uh, lechayim al u'margoa I'm a pleasant day for those who are alive and also for those who are dead. The Jewish belief that. Those who are suffering in Gehinom will cease suffering uh, on Shabbat. uh, That that, that they are uh, removed from the fires of Gehinom on uh, on Shabbat. Uh, Some people have raised the question of of would Abraham Ibn Ezra have really bought into that kind of understanding of of Gehinom and it's not a bad question and that's one of the doubts that have been raised uh, about the attribution to Ibn Ezra I I think from other points of view it's it's very strong both men and women love Shabbat old people, young people the law he tablu biha veilim amot shareim there's no aveilud there's no hespade va sheketim tzuvo eved va amava gerim ashareim basharim yinuchun ko beimat enbiadish kesusim kachamorim, kashavarim. slaves get to rest the uh, uh, animals get to rest the whole maskil be who mekadesh vegam mafdiru khashuvim or in some manuscripts it reads khashukhim Chasuchim, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, this is a point that Ibn Ezra says often in his commentaries that Shabbat is the day that is uh, a special day where we are able to figure out things that we can't understand on, on, on other days. It's a, it, it, it's a day for deeper understanding of, uh, of texts. Uh, We don't do our business. We don't do our regular things. We don't talk about regular things uh, on Shabbat. This is Shabbat speaking in second person to Ibn Ezra. I have protected you all of your life because you have observed me from the time that you were young. This is this is the famous uh, quotation of Achad uh, HaAm. Yoter Mishi Israel, Shamru Et Hashabbat Hashabbat Shamra Et Israel, Even more than Jews observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath protected the uh, the Jewish people. So Achad uh, HaAm wasn't the first uh, to use this uh, language. We see Ibn Ezra uh, using it here. And then these are the final lines of the poem that made Ibn Ezra upset. But now in your old age, he was, uh, how old was he? He was younger than I am right now. Uh, <laughs> he was about 63, 64 years old uh, at at this uh, at this point in your old age, uh, you've done something wrong because you have now inside your home books. And there it says, I guess it means implies that the uh, Friday night uh, is not part of Shabbat. Uh, so how can you just sit there on your haunches? You should get up, you should make a nether and you should write a, uh, a book and send it out to all the Jews. And this is, this is the introduction to a work of Even Ezra, where he explains using uh, verses and using his knowledge of uh, astronomy and his knowledge of astrology uh, that, that, that uh, the day actually has to begin in the evening. Okay, so here we have two ways of relating to Va'hi era, Va'hi Voker. Rashbam is, uh, is comfortable offering a way, a, a way of interpreting this text that does not go along with, uh, with tradition and Ibn Ezra is clearly extremely uncomfortable uh, with this. Um, it seems somewhat ironic, this is not the only example where Ibn Ezra and Rashbam, these almost contemporaries, come down in this way with, with Rashbam offering the, uh, the interpretation that one might say is more uh, uh, edgy, not going along with the standard interpretation and Ibn Ezra towing the line of, uh, of tradition, it, it's, it's, uh, it seems funny when one knows things about the, the lives of Ibn Ezra and Rashbam because Rashbam, as I said before, in the beginning, was a great Talmudist who spent most of his time uh, on on Gemara and on Halacha, And for Ibn Ezra, that was not the center of his life uh, by any means. Uh, part of the point is that Ibn Ezra Spent much of his life defending rabbinic Judaism against uh, against the Karaites and therefore he felt a need to be defending rabbinic understandings of texts even if the Karaites weren't involved here. Um, But I'd like to argue that there's something more going on here and it has to do with their understandings of what it means to interpret a biblical text. So Rashbam writes in his commentary on the first verse of the Chumash, Yavinu ha-maskilim ki-kol, this is top of page four, Yavinu ha-maskilim ki-kol divrei raboteinu v'darshot heim, kenim v'amitiyim. Everyone should know that the words of the rabbis and their midrashic explanations are honest and true. Ve'ikar ha-halachot v'hadrashot yotim mi-itur ha-mikraot o mi-shinui ha-lashon, sh'niketav shuto shal mikra b'lashon, sh'yikolim l'mod he-menu ikar so, according to Rashbam, the the Torah is a text that can be interpreted according to the shot, and it can also be interpreted using midrashic terminology uh, uh, methodology. Sorry, using midrashic methodology. Um, there are two methodologies, two different sets of methodology that a commentator should use. One of them will lead the commentary to a, a commentator to a pshat understanding of the text, and the other one will lead the commentator to a midrashic understanding of the text. Rashbaugh makes it clear often in his commentary that uh, that the most important level of understanding of the text is the midrashic level because we live our lives as religious Jews based on the midrashic understanding of the text we don't live our lives as religious Jews based on the pshat and so we don't have to be concerned when the pshat says something that doesn't jive with what the midrash said because it's a multivalent text because it's a text that has more than one level of meaning attached to it and this this is not an innovation of rashbam to say something of this uh, of this nature the you know the idea of shivim panim la torah that there that, that there are different levels of understanding of the the Torah they're going to lead to they're parallel to each other and they're going to lead to different understandings of the text and there's nothing wrong about that uh, uh, according to uh uh, according to Rashbam and according to many commentators Ibn Ezra does not seem to have the same approach to the way in which Bible commentaries work or the way commentaries in general work. Uh, I could try to prove this for many texts in Ibn Ezra, but I'll just I just I'm giving you here on the handout one of them. Uh, in the introduction to one of his grammatical works called Yesod Dikduk, he makes fun of people who have ideas about biblical interpretation that Ibn Ezra doesn't like. He refers to some commentator. He doesn't name him, but he uh, he says this guy is so proud of himself. When he says this verse has ten different meanings, tam in Ibn Ezra's language often means meaning. Uh, that this commentator that he hasn't named says I can find ten different interpretations of this verse. He's so proud of himself. And his reputation rises because he can offer 10 different interpretations of the same verse. But actually, the opposite is true. When, when a person offers ten explanations for a verse, he has no idea which one is the correct interpretation of the verse. And in fact, it's possible that he hasn't even mentioned the correct interpretation when he offered those ten. And here's the crux of what he's saying. Ki kol mechaber sefer, haya o chacham, ta'am echad lidvarav. For there is only one correct explanation for the words of any author, whether he be a prophet or a sage. A text has one interpretation. And to say that there are two interpretations for the text is not something that we are allowed to do. It's not something legitimate. That's not what Parshanut is about. if this were a class about Ibn Ezra's methodology, I'd give further examples of Ibn Ezra's dedication to the idea that a text has only one meaning. And Rashbam lives in a world where multivalent texts, where texts that say more than one thing, are legitimate. Fine. That's the way. Uh, that's the way the Torah ought to be read. And so. Part of the explanation of this conflict between Rashbam and Ibn Ezra boils down to the difference between the ways in which each of them understands what it means to interpret a text. And now just for the last uh, seven, eight minutes that uh, remain for me in this class, I'd just like to get back to the uh, the basic issue of, uh, so when does the day begin? (laughs) <laughs> we all know uh we all know the halachic uh, understanding and we all know the uh what i was arguing before is the standard uh psychological understanding that most people relate to the day as a unit that begins in the morning and in halacha we always relate to the day Almost always, for those of the Talmidei Chachamim in the room, some of you will know that in Kodshim, that when it comes to uh, to sacrifices, we actually say that Halayla uh, Laholei Hayom, that Halacha says that there is an exception and that in the rules of sacrifices, uh, the, the day ends in the morning, but that is seen in the Halachic literature generally as being the uh, exception. So... What does the Torah have to say about this? Uh, Moshe David Kasuto in his commentary on uh, on Breshit uh, writes that uh, Rashbam was the first to realize that means that the day finishes in the morning and Kasuto goes even farther than Rashbam and he says Throughout the Bible, there obtains only one system of computing time. The day is considered to begin in the morning. But in regards to the festivals and appointed times, the Torah ordains that they shall be observed also on the night of the preceding day. That actually, Casuto claims, and he has uh, a long argument there where he goes through many verses in the Bible to try to claim that the... Torah's understanding of a day is a unit that begins in the morning. And perhaps to give a uh, one clear, even if it's not the most uh, pleasant example, uh, he gives the example from the story of D- Lot's daughters after the destruction of Sodom when they seduce their father. So... It says that one of them slept, the older one slept with her father at night. And then it says, Vayahi mi mahorat. But then on the next day, Vatomer habachira elatsira hin shachafti emeshadavi naskenu lai yain gamalai lau <laughs> voishihu imo unchayem avinu zara. He said, It's clear that in the narration of this story, that's the next day is like the morning that doesn't mean the next night uh, after uh, uh, that that's that machar he goes through uh many examples in the in, in the torah where a machar clearly is a a unit that begins in the uh, in the morning and now of course the crucial thing is that the halachic texts, as you see at the bottom of the uh, the halachic texts in the Torah, make it clear that the celebration uh, of uh, of uh, Jewish holidays begins in the evening, and it's uh, uh, unequivocal, unambiguous that that is the case. Just to read the uh, verses here: Barishon, Barba, Sarayom laChodesh, Bar Erev matzot, Ad Yom laChodesh, Bar Erev. So. Uh, Pesach is to be observed from the 14th, uh, you're supposed to eat Matzot from the 14th day in the evening until the 21st day in the evening as we do in this uh, country and uh, it says this explicitly also about Yom Kippur On the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening you shall observe your Shabbat and so it's clear that the Torah is telling us that observances are from evening to evening however Kasudo argues that if you look closely at this these verses even these verses tell us that the concept of a day is a unit that finishes in the morning and not in the evening Think about the, let's look at the first example. We start eating matzot when? When do we eat matzah? For the first time? Pardon me? At the night. And what does the Torah call that? It calls it the 14th day of Nisan. It's still calling it the 14th day of Nisan. <coughs> And those of you who are students of Gemara will, will know that, uh, that, that. In the second example here, like the Gemara asked the question, but what's it talking about? Uh, we, we don't do inui nefesh. We don't fast on the ninth. So, so why is the Torah saying that there's fasting on the ninth? And Kasudot just says, in the pshat, no, no. It means you should fast from, you know, this year, uh, Kippur is going to be on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday, so so, so it means means you should start fasting on Tuesday. uh, Before Shkia, on Tuesday, you should start fasting, but they're calling that, the beginning of the fast, they're calling it the ninth of the month. They're not going to call it the tenth of the month until the next morning. So the celebrations, the Chiyuvim, the obligations, uh, Kasudo argues, uh, the Torah makes it very clear that we are supposed to observe the uh, the day as a unit from the evening to evening. However, the concept of a day, Rashbam was the first who directed us towards this understanding of the concept of a day as a as the, the Bible uh, seeing the day as beginning and ending in the morning.